This is Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks, where a spirit board conversation sparked our spiritual evolution. I'm Shale. And I'm Cheyenne. And each week, we explore a world where there is much more than meets the eye. So pour yourself a drink and join us as we cheers to a witch in good time. Good morning, Brew. You always sound like those like chirpy little birds in the morning, and I'm just like, <laughs> meh. <laughs> I appreciate that you still get that vibe because I don't feel very Disney princessy today. You sound Disney princessy today. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, what are you drinking? So this morning, like we had filled our dishwasher, and then we still have a bunch of dishes downstairs that we need to do. And I was like, I can't be bothered to do these right now because <laughs> nothing's worse than wanting to do dishes first thing in the morning. Agreed. So I was like, also, I was feeling too lazy to make coffee. And so I just made a cup of tea because all you have to do is turn on hot water and grab a tea bag. And that's excellent sometimes. So I'm drinking some vanilla cinnamon spice yogi tea i am a huge fan of the like spicy nutty earthy teas um i'm not so much like a fruity tea person um yeah same um read me your tea bag oh okay it's actually a good one today. like that feels like divination we can do this morning <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like handed to us it's great <laughs> um it says compassion is a state of constant giving of the self for others all right I like that one me too that one relevant. A little bit kind of checks me because I'm feeling very not compassionate this week <laughs> I know it's been it's been a rough week um, but I love yogi tea that sounds delicious yeah what are you drinking I made a french press in Mr. Wiggles this morning Yay! Long live Mr. Wiggles. If people Long didn't listen last time, he survived. Oh, Jesus, did you hear that throat bubble? <laughs> <laughs> Bringing the people the content they need. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Mr. Frank and Wiggles made me a French press this morning, <laughs> and I put a pretty heavy-handed pour of Kahlua in my coffee this morning. Ooh, good call. We're just, we're just starting it. I uh, was feeling too lazy to make a French press, and then I saw the Kahlua on top of the fridge and was like, you can do it. (laughs) To me, that feels like the universe was saying, Cheyenne, this is what you need today. Yes. So we're starting the party a little bit early, and it's actually really nice because my tummy feels very warm, and that's a pleasant feeling today. But I'm drinking it in my Hex the Patriarchy mug because that's the vibe that I'm existing with (laughs) always, but especially right now. Oh, that sounds that sounds delightful. Mm. So, this is another episode of Morning Brew. I love the people, we... clearly, because I've not only done this once, but twice now. Twice. She's done it for us twice. We, uh, um, not sure if anybody's looked outside this week, but the world's on fire, so um preparing content we just you know i feel like everyone's creativity was a little zapped so we're gonna chat about some questions that we get from baby witches and give some advice for you know resources you can use and all sorts of good stuff today but before that oh that just gave me like a bolt of energy 
I'm really happy that that worked how I wanted it to. So little things in life. <laughs> um, so I'm a creature of habit and somebody who really appreciates my comfort and coping mechanisms. So I'm sorry, everyone. Sorry, not sorry that we are not changing from our literary witch deck today because that's just where my heart is always. I love this deck anyway, so. Okay, here we go. Deep breath in. We're going to pick a material or familiar, and then we're going to pull a witch. Mm. Yeah, everyone stretch for a minute. That felt good. Like, move your head side to side. Get a little movement in your body. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. We have drawn the praying mantis as our familiar and Maria Sabina as our witch. She represents healing. It's a, I'll describe the card to you. She's in the middle of the card. There's a chest up bust portrait of Maria. Um, there are feet at the bottom, her feet, but there are what looks like arrows or potentially plants coming out of her ankles instead of legs, which um, turn into on either side. There's a mountain lion and a wolf head. She's surrounded by flowers and hummingbirds, and there are two open hands at the top of her head um, open towards the sky. So she represents, as I said, healing what ails you seeking help and helping others. So Maria Sabina, 1894 to 1985, who could not read or write and lived in poverty in the mountains of Southern Mexico, is considered the greatest shaman poet or wise one of the Mazatec language. She improvised her chants during psilocybin mushroom ceremonies performed to heal the sick. Her rich spiritual vision was informed by native Mazatec beliefs as well as the Catholic faith. And then our praying mantis represents wit, manipulation, and fun. So this is an interesting combination. Yeah. Um, you know, praying mantises are also fairly violent. <laughs> Actually, so that you touch on that, I'm I was just thinking. <laughs> This is where my brain goes instantly when I hear about praying mantises. Is about how I want to raise a bunch to throw in my garden this year so that they can just be like the Terminator. The guardian? Yeah, but like more scary. So like Terminator of aphids and stuff that like try to eat my garden. Because no one wants to use pesticides. And to an extent, I'm okay with stuff eating stuff in my garden. But when you start completely obliterating it, that's when I have problems with you. And I'm going to go for the praying mantises. All right, so Shale has an aphid vendetta. Everyone take note. <laughs> Clearly, I still haven't let it go from last spring. <laughs> um, so what this is kind of telling me today, what I'm feeling just called to share from this is obviously healing is going to be a big focus, um, both on an individual personal level, on a national level, if you're here in the United States, and on a global level. So I think being aware of healing and how we can connect to our communities and help heal each other is important, but keeping that wit, that creativity, that kind of voraciousness of the praying mantis in mind while we're doing this, um, I think the praying mantis is encouraging us to remember our boundaries when we're healing and when we're 
especially when we're reaching out and helping others. I, I'm going to pull from your yogi bag too, our compassion. I think it is important to have compassion for the people around us, but to make sure we are allocating our own personal resources in the most productive ways possible um, as well. So that's kind of the vibe I'm getting this morning. It's an interesting combo. I'm going to keep mulling that one over today. Yeah, I, I really like that. And I think like we were talking about this morning, um, I think when when we feel the world in such a state of disarray as it was this week with what happened in Washington, D.C. at the Capitol building, I feel like for a lot of us who are more empathic or creative, it feels like that's the first energy we lose because we we almost expend it, right? Um, and and it was extremely frustrating to see how that situation was handled when we watched so many of our friends and loved ones march in the streets for the right to just live and exist in in this system and were treated with such malice and violence and, and in a completely 360 manner than what had happened at the Capitol. And so I think it's just important for us to realize that they can't well, let me back up a little bit. It's important for us to realize that um, while it's important to listen and to pay attention, that it's okay to rest, but it's also important to remember that you don't need to expend all of your energy. There's a sacredness in holding on to that. And what what makes it beautiful to be human is our ability to create and our ability to connect. So I think it's important to hold on to that as well. Mm. Yes. That's a good reminder for me this morning too. That was beautiful. Thank you. Sometimes, sometimes I can, you know, dig deep, even though I'm half awake. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now that we have lost another episode and are doing this morning brew and we are improvising and adapting in this non-reliable technological world, like the praying, like the praying mantis, what are we going to talk about today? What is your praying mantras mantra for today? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we've had kind of throughout season one when we've reached out for listener feedback um, and then just personally with you guys reaching out and chatting with us as well. We've had a lot of questions about beginning, about how to start, about, oh, I don't think I don't feel like I'm cool enough to call myself a witch, um, but do you have some books you can recommend? And I have a couple answers to that question. Yes, I have books and books and books and books. I will never stop recommending books, Um, but you are cool enough to call yourself a witch. I think that's an important thing to remember. Um, The term baby witch has kind of made a, I, I don't know, it's like a pop culture phenom right now, I feel like in this particular community and people have some different feelings about it. And so I thought we could maybe touch on that before we dive into some resources and tips and tricks for beginner, um, beginner witches as well. Um, so what does baby witch kind of mean to you, Shale? What does that definition bring up for you? So for me, baby witch, um, part of me kind of likes the term, part of me really doesn't. So yeah. I so agree. for me, part of it is I don't know. I guess there's a little bit of a cutesiness to it. Like, oh, I'm just kind of starting my journey, which that's, that's okay. You know, I guess that's the part that I think is, is chill (laughs) or, 
you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to say I, I don't love it that much. <laughs> it's just, it's like processing this in my mind. I, I get where the roots of it came from. I get why people use it as a term, but I don't love it. And And the reason why is I feel like it kind of puts people in a lens of it's not even it's not even a lens of where you start in your journey. It's more like it's infantilizing, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you use the term baby <laughs> in it, but it just I feel like it's kind of degrading. It makes you feel like like a toddler who has to sit at the kids' table or you know, like not even a toddler at the kids' table, because obviously that makes sense. This is me processing in the morning. <laughs> But you know, when you're like at the family dinner and you have to sit with all the kids, even though you're in college and <laughs> like that feeling, I guess that's the way that I would explain it is it just feels like when you identify with the term baby witch, that you're just so far behind everybody else in their journey. And it almost makes it feel like getting to a level of being able to confidently call yourself whatever it is in your spiritual journey, whether that's witch or whether that's um, teacher or or whatever. It feels like it's almost unattainable with with an identity like that. And like you have to go through so much to get out of this phase. Does that make sense? Yes, completely. I definitely agree with that. I feel like um, at the beginning, I kind of when it was first kind of emerging, you know, on on the Internet um, in various forms, I was like, yeah, OK, I like this because it um, and actually here we'll be really honest about this. I think initially it removed some accountability Ooh, from you. Good point. So in removing some of that accountability, you maybe feel a little less fearful, but I think you're also more inclined to be less respectful and to pay less attention than you would if you were just deciding that this is a path I'm going to walk down. I think there's a certain amount of reverence that has to be present all the time. There's a lot of joy. There's a lot of fun and like trickery, you know, and jokesterness, like we were talking about with Dr. Samuel. But um, if you don't have that reverence, you're going to completely miss the mark Mm -hmm. anyway. So I think that's, um, that's maybe the part that I've, I've come to realize is maybe my main reason for not liking it is because it felt like a lazy catch all term. Um, but I agree with you too. It does feel like a very limiting box because how long do you have to call yourself a baby witch before you call yourself a witch witch? And if you've ever called yourself a baby witch, that's completely fine. <laughs> if that identity works for you, that's also okay. Oh yeah, we've used it. Um, we've used it for a long time. Yeah, but I, I do think it's important to examine, you know, the the labels and structures that we put on ourselves, particularly in something that's not supposed to be very structured. Um. So, yeah, that's kind of my initial thought. So baby witches are welcome, obviously. Um, I, uh, I think it, it is just as simple as if you identify with this title and it feels, it feels right for you, it feels correct and authentic, then you can use it as long as it's not, um, you know, messing things up for other people. So I'm excited to dive in and chat with with you all about this today though because we've had lots of questions I've had multiple listeners reach out and ask me for book recommendations or how to get started with tarot and I think it can definitely be really overwhelming to know where to start when you have an initial interest in this so I thought today we could just point you in a few different directions 
um, and see see where everyone lands, see what what resonates and what doesn't, and just provide some resources for those who are looking to get a little bit deeper on their own outside of this podcast. Yeah, well. and, and this this is fun to talk about today too because, at least for me personally, I still feel newer in my journey. Um, I don't feel like an expert by any means. I wouldn't claim to be. And so it's fun to be able to provide recommendations, but also feel like we're growing along with our audience. We're consistently learning and evolving and developing in our spiritual path right along with you. So I think that's, that's really fun about this whole thing. Yes. Agreed. So that said, what are, um, what are some resources that you like to turn to when you're feeling when you're not feeling confident in your power, when you're feeling like you need to check in or to learn something new, what are some of those places that you like to go? So I guess the easiest way for me to be able to answer this question is probably to kind of, I guess, kind of define my path as much as I I don't really think that there's a need for labels or anything like that. I think it helps to understand how I, how I see my spirituality. So as we've talked about previously, I'm not Wiccan. I don't really identify with a religion per se, but I do consider myself a spiritual person. And I guess I would say that the area that I'm most drawn to is um, more kind of ancestral plant magic, herbal paths and, and really connecting to, to that. So for me, I, I, I have to say, I think we're extremely fortunate to live in the time that we are where there's such a community on the internet. Um, and so for me, what, the easiest way, I guess, when I'm feeling super disconnected is I am a YouTube junkie. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I completely watch YouTube all day long. Um, and it's a huge source of information for me. And so the easiest way, I guess, is to reach out and watch a YouTube video on how to make an herbal tincture, for example, or how to connect to the seasons or something like that. Um, Just kind of figuring out where I'm feeling disconnected. So I'm not a huge winter person, for example. And so um, this is probably the time of the year that I feel the most disconnected from my practice when you're kind of holed up in your house and, and then you're holed up in your house because it's also a pandemic. And yeah. And so it's, it's a little harder for me to feel, I guess, that daily routine when it comes to spirituality. Um, I'm also really big into things like movement and expressing myself that way. And so things like yoga and <clears throat> going out for a run uh, are really good ways for me to connect to my presence and, and being grounded. Um, but I'm also a huge, huge, huge fan of books. I don't read them nearly as fast as Cheyenne does. <laughs> and <laughs> um, I don't have as much time to really sit down and be as cozy with a book as I would like to, but I think, I think where my path really started is I read this book. I mean, I had been starting to be kind of interested in this and feeling like, Hey, this is, this is something that calls to me. Um, I started really diving into herbalism around the same time. I actually found, this is kind of funny. This is going to sound like a typical journey, but I actually found Harmony Nice on YouTube and was like, Oh, this person's being like super open about this. This is really cool. And that kind of encouraged me to to dive into it a little bit further. But really what I can I think solidified it for me was two books. Um, the first one is Witch by Lisa Lister. And I, what I really connected to mm-hmm. in her book was reclaiming the term witch for what it is um, and not what it's been 
defined as in the fact that witch really refers to women who were healers and midwives and resources for their community. Um, and I apologize. I shouldn't just say women, but people who, um, who had that connection in their community. And I was like, wow, that's, that's so true that the people that were ending up being pegged as witches were really those that people turned to when they needed help the most. Um, and that kind of tied into the herbalism aspect of it. It tied into wanting to understand how to heal my own ancestry and, and recognizing what that looks like. And then the other book is The Green Witch. What's her last name? I have it right here somewhere. A lot of people are really familiar with that book, but it, it really it really helped express like this. This path is about connecting with the world around you and being really present. And here's the different practices on how to be more in touch with nature. And as somebody who's always grown up loving nature and and having a profound respect for that, um, it really, really resonated with me. And so I guess long story short, long rambly answer. <laughs> That's kind of where I've turned mm-hmm. to and how I kind of got started. Yeah. So you saying that actually brings up something for me that I want to touch on before we go any deeper too, which I think is a huge misconception and a big roadblock for a lot of, um, a lot of people starting out, um, everything you were mentioning, right. We talked about books. We talked about YouTube. We talked about Instagram. Those are free resources. Mm Mm-hmm completely free resources, right? You didn't mention even any tools. You didn't mention you need to go buy this thing. And I think that's what's really important. Spending all the money in the world will not make you a better witch. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, your library is a huge resource. The internet is a huge resource. It's important to do your diligence and make sure you know, you know, where the people you're learning from are getting their information as well. But I think it's, it's really important to remember that the power is inside you. Tools are just there to help express it in a different manner. So they are absolutely non-essential, especially getting started in the beginning. At the beginning, you should just be a little sponge soaking up all of the information you possibly can. You don't need to go buy $70 crystals. You don't need to go buy a fancy athame, like you can find your place in your path and find the tools and workings that work well for you and bring them on as you are called to. Don't feel like you have to go buy a starter kit to get going. Absolutely. Plus, a lot of the times I feel like, um, obviously, it depends on where you're getting those things from anyway, but, you know, capitalism creeps into things like spirituality and be cognizant of things like Target selling a starter kit. <laughs> you know? Yes, absolutely. Well, and, and if so, and if you're feeling called, if you feel like you are called to go, you know, buy tools, if you, you know, want to get yourself a tarot deck, if you want to mess with some crystals, that's all well and good. But, you know, find your local metaphysical stores, find, you know, businesses that are owned particularly by women of color to spend your money at when you're when you're buying these things and go ask for that expertise, you know, walk inside the shop and say, you know, I'm here in my journey. This is what I'm interested in learning. Can you help me? And I think the, uh, the witchcraft community, the spiritual community in general is usually very um, open and happy sharing that with you, especially those people who work in shops like that, whose whole entire goal is to help you practice this productively and safely. So there are definitely things you can go get if you're called that way too. 
Um, but just be mindful of where you're spending your money as well. Yeah. So reciprocating, reciprocating, (laughs) (laughs) turning the question back over to you. (laughs) Yes. How did you, Um, how did you start your journey and what advice do you have? Yeah. So I think, I, I think, I think a similar, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) so the Kalu is working. Mornings are just hard for me. So I have no excuses. here. <laughs> Books have always been my safe place. I moved a lot as a kid. I was always mm-hmm. having to, you know, reassimilate and make new friends. Um, but books are always somewhere I can go and be completely held and safe. And I revisit the same books. I have, you know, very specific books that I go back and read in ritual. And some of them are like genuinely from my childhood. Um, and these, you know, places that, that held me and brought me safety. But I think I was in that part of the library at a very young age, just absorbing everything I could. So it's always been kind of of interest. And, you know, as millennial witches, we would be remiss to not, you know, at least acknowledge the fact that we are the Harry Potter generation. So I, you know, was eating fantasy books as a kid and then researching, you know, the things that were inspired by those. So I've always found a lot of comfort and safety at my local library, which is where I would suggest everyone goes. Um, But I would say the book that really clicked me in as far as diving down my own spiritual path, (sighs) however many years ago now, probably five, six years ago, when I started really seriously exploring this is um, Drawing Down the Moon by Mm -hmm. um, Margot Adler. It's about, you know, witches, druids, goddess worshipers, and other pagans in America. It is a thick book. I've got it in front of me right now. It is very textbooky. <laughs> it's very, yeah, it's a scientific kind of book. And I have recommended this one to a few of our listeners with that caveat of this is an academic style book, uh, which is also why I like it because it's very, it reads very factually and, um, And there are a ton of resources in the back of this. The reference pages in this book are almost more valuable than the book itself because there's just, there's a cuckoo bananas insano amount of resources out there and people writing these. But if you want a big, thick, deep dive into modern paganism, Drawing Down the Moon is a great place to go. Um, I also like to (laughs) recommend a couple lighter, more fun reads that are also packed full of super useful information, um, including Waking the Witch by Pam Grossman. She's also the host of the Witch Wave podcast, which is phenomenal. And I routinely re-listen to her episodes. I'm never not learning from Pam. She's an incredible, an incredible witch, an incredible author. And her book has so it's an exploration of you know witches and women in power and pop culture and it's just fascinating and beautiful and she draws on her own life and those pop culture parallels too and it's just it's a really good deep dive into witchcraft as a as a movement as well there's a ton of history um you will learn so much from her and then the other i call them my holy trinity of baby witch books (laughs) Um, is drawing down the moon waking the witch and then inner witch by gabriella hurston oh okay um she's an author she's out in la she's written for cosmo 
um, High Times Magazine, I think, um, oh, I'm missing the other big magazine. She's written for some big name media publications. Um, but Inner Witch is her first book. It's called Craft in the UK. And it's a perfect deep dive, especially for baby witches with practical knowledge, tools, wheel of the year, calendar, rituals. It's it's literally witchcraft 101 and it's phenomenal. Gabby is super kind and lovely. I've spoken to her very briefly a few times on the internet and she's always been phenomenally wonderful. Um, and she loves this so much. You can, it's like that when you're taught by people who absolutely love what they're doing, you retain so much more. So she's an excellent teacher. I would highly recommend her book as well. Um, I think if you start in that order, <laughs> you know, do your research, do your highly academic homework style research with Drawing Down the Moon, um, dive into that pop culture modernization, um, you know, witchcraft with Pam Grossman, and then the how-to guide of Gabby is like that perfect stair step of having all your information and then enacting it. Um, so that's my holy trinity of baby witch books. That's what I've been recommending to a lot of you. And we'll link all of the resources we're talking about below. Um, but I think it's important to follow teachers who speak to you. And also to seek out teachers who you might not initially. Once you've kind of dipped your toe in the water. So be open to what you find and um, absorb it all. I think for me personally, words are my biggest magic. They always have been. They've been a place of escape for me. They've been a place of comfort and they've been a place of immense power. So, um, and that includes, you know, your own written words as well. So I'd encourage you to read all of these texts and then actually sit with them and ask yourself how you feel about what you just read and how that actually resonates with you. This is a lifelong learning process. So don't be discouraged. <laughs> by the amount of information there is out there, the best way to start is literally just to begin. Absolutely. And and I want to kind of dive a little deeper into something you keep saying about like absorb it all, be a sponge. So for, for me, um, the craft is not just where I, I go to for developing my spirituality, right? It's, it's, just a, it's an element of it. So even though, for example, I don't identify as Wiccan, um, I will still read Wiccan authors um, because I, th I yeah. think there's some value in some of the beliefs there. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge yogi, so I love to learn more about the yogic path and the yogic philosophy. Um, I'll, I'll pull things from Buddhism. I even still hold on to a lot of things from Christianity. Um, and that being said, I mean, obviously, absorb what you can. That's what I love about this path is that it's not a formalized structure. It's really about just connecting with those things that call to you um, and developing your belief systems for yourself, which I think is, is a very beautiful, powerful thing. But at the same time, um, while I highly encourage people, especially newer in their past to really connect with or um, explore other paths, especially those from different parts of the world or different cultures. It's always also very important because in this sphere, especially, um, I think there's a lot of confusion around what that means because 
I think I think kind of the um, con, I guess, <laughs> of of a pagan path is there's this weird kind of reconstructionist thing going on about it um, where people feel like they have to to connect with something that's super, super, super ancient. Right. Um, but nobody really knows how pagans really used to practice thousands upon thousands of years ago. We can kind of piece it together. Right. Um, but we can't truly know that. And so I think it's really important to be aware of where you might be actually stepping your toe into things like cultural appropriation and, and really understanding that, um, where you might be actually taking something that was very sacred to a certain spiritual spirituality or religion and actually using it in a way that wasn't meant for you. Um, and so things like white sage is a great example of that. And we definitely have touched on that before. Um, but, I guess I just want to give that word of caution of yes, explore, yes, absorb everything, but also be very mindful of how you do that. Yeah. And be aware that regardless of how you personally feel about the practice, some things are not meant mm-hmm. for you and the people who they are meant for will tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it is your job to listen. It's your job to listen to them and to, and to learn, you know, that I definitely was burning white sage at the beginning of my practice because you, you know, you read one thing, you see one thing and you're like, Oh, that's, that's the only option. And then you do more research and you pay more attention and you have people in your life who, who care about you enough to say, okay, actually though, um, this is, this is problematic and this is Mm -hmm. why. And yeah. And giving yourself that grace too. You're going to mess up. Oh yeah. At some point. You are going to mess up. At some point. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to happen. Um, to some extent, it's okay. That's part of the learning process. The important part is that you actually learn from it. So always keeping that reverence, that respect, being mindful of the cultures you are drawing from. And and I would encourage everybody to do a little bit more self-reflection and research on yourself. We've talked about, you know, a lot of uh, particularly American people not knowing their family line past their great-grandparents. I would encourage you to do that research. Where do your people come from? What were the practices that your ancestors might have actually been practicing? Um, You know, what replaced sage for me in my life is Dutch cleansing bells. Um, So a completely different thing. I'm not burning anything at all. (laughs) I'm walking around my house jingling little bells and it's phenomenal and it works and it resonates. But you, you have to do that that work and that research. So I think, um, yeah, just keeping that in mind, keeping that respect in your back pocket at all times will, will serve you well on this path. Also, and just outside of like a spiritual sense, getting to know your ancestry, I feel like definitely helps you understand yourself just so much better. Understanding where, where you came from, what maybe has been passed down to you and why I think it just helps you understand, oh, that's why my family does such and such tradition at Christmas. And I had no idea, you know, for sure. Absolutely. And then I guess another, uh, another thing personally that I was really drawn to because I'm a, I'm a symbolism person. I'm a words person. I like, I, I like all of that, that tangible magic that I can see and read and feel. And that's why something like tarot has always really spoken to me. And I, there are thousands upon thousands of tarot resources online, but personally there are two people who I think do an incredible job of teaching it, especially at the beginning. And that would be um, Biddy Tarot 
which we've talked about before online, just exponential amounts of resources and information just free at your fingertips. Um, in addition to actual courses and classes you can take um, with her as well. And then um, Danielle Noel created the Star Child Tarot deck. And she has a book called The Book of Tarot, A Guide for Modern Mystics, that even if I'm not particularly, even if I'm not using her deck, um, her messages and her interpretations have really, really struck um, struck a chord with me. And I think she's an incredible teacher. She makes it very accessible. And um, and so I would recommend her book as well. We will link everything below as always. But yeah, you really like Biddy Tarot too, right, Shale? Do you have any other tarot resources you like? Um, yeah, I, I love Biddy Tarot. Um, I would definitely say that's the one I go to most often. Um, otherwise, I just use kind of the guidebook that comes with the tarot deck. And one thing I do want to touch on is... Um, I never heard this until after I bought my first tarot deck. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Oh, I'm glad you're bringing this up because I think it's. Yeah, I'm so glad you already know where I'm going with this. Um, <laughs> but for some reason, there's some there's this belief in in the community that you have you can only have a tarot deck if it's gifted to you. I, I, I don't know where that came from. I, I don't agree with it either. And and to be honest, I think that's such a bummer because especially for people who might not be openly practicing, if you're just sitting there hoping and waiting that somebody's going to give you a tarot deck so you can start practicing, that breaks my you're going to wait forever. Because <laughs> yeah, like no one's going to give it to you, you know? So I say with anything in this path, if you want to pursue it, go ahead and do so. Don't Don't be defined or like stuck by these weird parameters or gatekeeping rules that exist out in the community because th that one just doesn't make sense. <laughs> and I'm sorry, personally, self-gifting counts as gifting. Mm -hmm. That counts. Self-care. The person who's, who's gifting it to you is you and that's totally okay. I think it is so much more important that you vibe with a deck. I do think everyone, if you are interested in tarot, personally, I do think I'm a fundamentals girl. You've got to learn the rules before you break them. Um, so I think everyone should have some understanding of the traditional Smith-Waite original tarot deck. And then, and then explore to your heart's content. I think starting, um, starting at the beginning gives everyone kind of a good baseline judgment of symbolism, of what the individual cards mean, um, and then that kind of helps you grow your own interpretations too. But that said, I'm going to be a little hypocritical here. <laughs> um, but also trust yourself. Your interpretations are going to be completely different from somebody else's interpretations. And that's why when I get tarot readings, I don't actually always use the same reader. Um, I read for myself a lot, but I like exploring different people's opinions and ideas and interpretations of what the cards actually mean. So I think it's important to remember that, you know, everything with a rim of salt, let yourself, let yourself be open to the idea that you also know what's going on here. Um, trust your instincts. Different things will symbolize different things for you. And I think it's important not to turn your back on messages that might be coming in for you just because somebody online told you it doesn't count because you didn't buy your deck yourself or that's not what this card means. Obviously, you can't just make up random meanings if you don't like what the card <laughs> yeah, that's means. That's not the way it works. <laughs> but I'm just saying, trust yourself a little bit too. You know, your guidebooks are there to be guides. 
But at the end of the day, these are intuitive building tools. You're supposed to be using them in synchronicity with your own gifts, your own intuition, and your own beautiful giant brain. So giant brain. Trust yourself. So with all of that said, even though we've spent a lot of time today railing against tools, I do <laughs> want to <laughs> ask you what are what are some of those tools that you do find yourself using most often? I think that can also be helpful for people who feel like they don't quite know where to start. What are the things you find yourself reaching for just on a on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, just everyday general craft? What's in your cupboard? You know, it, it's actually funny that we we talk about this because when I think about the tools that I use, I honestly don't use very many at all. Um, and I never really have. And, and that'll probably change as we move into the future. But I guess, I guess we can start with kind of the traditional witchy tools. Um, I went through a major crystals phase in the beginning. Loved it. I loved the fact that it's a, a natural material that can be used to manipulate energy. Um, I use them a lot on my yoga mat um, mm -hmm. or when I'm trying to do, trying to do meditation. I will be upfront and honest that I suck at meditation. I am, I'm a little prone to anxiety, but also I just, I have a hard time being grounded. For folks who uh, know yoga and Ayurveda, I am a vata, meaning I am most aligned with the air element. And so that just makes me somebody that's always struggling <laughs> to feel grounded. <laughs> so things like meditation, I'm like, oh, I'm sitting here for 20 minutes and I got so much to do. And oh, look at this shiny object, you know? <laughs> yes. So, um, crystals are a cool way to kind of just change the energy of the room. Um, another thing I love, 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 and my husband does too, is incense. I can change the energy in a room ASAP when I like light some incense. So if we have, um, just had a rough day or something like that, it's just such a calming thing. And I've always loved it. Um, my family's Catholic. And so I always remember my great grandmother's house smelling like incense and just really aligning with that. I also really like candles. Uh, it's something I want to get into a little bit more, but I would say that is the number one tool I use for anything, especially for things like manifesting or uh, energy clearing or whatever. Um, one of my favorite things is to kind of, if I'm trying to manifest something, for example, I'll inscribe what I'm wanting to manifest on a white candle. Or if I'm trying to um, invoke prosperity, I'll use a green candle um, but that's something I really, really love to use. And it's something you can be very intentional with and it's something you can spend time with, right? Cause you don't want to just leave a candle <laughs> unattended. Something I'm, I'm still trying to kind of figure out is an altar space. It's so funny you said that. Cause I was just looking at mine and I was like chomping at the bit to talk about altars. <laughs> I don't know how I forgot about altars until just this minute, but I'm like literally staring at mine and it was like, hello, I'm the tool you use the most. Yeah, it's so funny. And I guess I guess for now, my altar, I'm using air quotes here, has always just kind of been my yoga mat. That is my space I go to when I need grounding or I need to um, connect spiritually. And, and that's something I have always kind of done before I do any kind of shadow work or journaling. Um, so that's another tool I use. It's a journal. I, I will... I will always do yoga beforehand. It's like 
I get that movement in my body. And if I don't move first, then it's harder for me to be grounded at all. Um, it helps just kind of shake that energy around where it needs to go, I guess. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's kind of what it is now. It's something I've always just wanted to do, but have never found a space that I feel like just fits for me. Um, Cheyenne at one point did give me that I do use. Um, she gave me this really cute little vintage trunk full of little tools like seashells are in there to represent water and your acorns of course are in there. <laughs> um, a few I love acorns. Yeah. And so that is a little thing that I'll pull out, um, every now and then when I want to connect a little more deeply and be a little more present and spend a little more time doing something, I'll use that, but I just haven't found something that feels really permanent for me. I'm very particular about the, the, table I want to use. And and I just haven't found one. I don't know why I struggle with it so much. And, and for folks who don't know, like the purpose of an altar is just to have a space that's sacred to you in your home that you can be intentional with. You can leave offerings there for whoever you want. Um, the, the time I will especially use one is around Samhain where I'll put up pictures of past loved ones. I'll write them little notes and leave it there. Things that I wish I had said to them more during their lifetime or things that I want to catch them up on now when they come back to visit (laughs) for the night. Um, That's where I'll leave like their, their offerings that I've talked about in our sound episode, like the, the coffee with chocolate in it or for my grandfather or things like that. Um, So that's where I think I use one the most, but it's every year around sound where I'm like, dang it, I wish I had a permanent altar. (laughs) So um, I want to touch on that now that you have brought up that too because I there are many different kinds of altars and I utilize a lot of different ones I have my big permanent ancestral you know my big working altar the one that's set up all the time my permanent altar I you know do things like change out what's being offered or add fresh flowers to it or add more crystals or you know it has so many things and trinkets and and photos, you know, photos of the ancestors I work with. There's also a photo of me of like eight year old me at a water park underneath a waterfall having the best goddamn day of her life. (laughs) Like that's on my altar because I'm always trying to connect and work with that inner child and remember that energy too. So I think, you know, a lot of people are always asking how, how to set that up. And I think it is really, it is just as simple as tapping into your inner magpie. (laughs) Ooh, explain that more. You know, if it speaks to you, it goes on it. If it represents something to you, it goes on it. You know, one of the funniest thing, or I guess not funniest, but one of the things on my altar that nobody ever under, and not that a lot of people see my altar, it's in my bedroom. Um, Your altar is so cool though. But I have a necklace that has a wooden chocolate chip cookie on it on like a yarn string and it's my most I would probably grab that over anything else in this if this house was on fire I I would grab that cookie necklace above anything it's from a toy store that I used to go to a cool vintage like toy store and museum that my grandpa Jerry and my grandma Connie used to take me to in Minnesota called the Lark and they don't do it anymore which is how I got this cookie necklace But you used to put these necklaces on before you went in and they would protect you from trolls. I love that. So the, there was, they had this whole story, like, you know, there's troll and there were trolls everywhere. They'd be like hiding. You could find them. It was a whole thing, but it really was ingrained in me as a kid. It was like, if we do not have this cookie necklace on, we are all going to get eaten by trolls. (laughs) 
And the last time I went as an adult, they didn't have them at the door. And I panicked. Like, I was probably 22. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I was just like, what are you talking about? You don't have them. And my mom was like, oh, I guess they just like don't really do them anymore. And I was like, that's not like this is not okay. How is nobody else upset about Mm -hmm. this? Um, but we went into one of the, one of the little shops and I asked the lady about them because the troll, the big troll is right behind her still on the ceiling, ready to eat children. And I don't remember the reasoning for not doing them anymore. Probably something as simple as like, maybe people were stealing them enough where it just wasn't worth making new wooden chocolate chip cookies all the time. Um, (laughs) but she had one and she gave it to me and it's like my most treasured possession. So when I talk about being a magpie, that's what I mean. If you're on a walk and you see a stick and you want to pick up a stick, pick up the stick. If you see a cool rock that's shaped like a heart and you love it, take it home. Um, I think paying attention to the things that whose energy does call to you and does connect with yours is important. And, um, and not overthinking the whys of that is helpful too. So I think you know, a very simple way to set up an altar to begin is to have a couple of those things, those treasures, those people who you want to connect with. Um, They don't also always have to be people you're related to. There's a photo of Zelda Fitzgerald on my altar. You know, it's, it's energy you want to tap into. It's people you admire. You know, you can, you can really customize it and make it very personal to you. So anyone who's telling you that your altar has to look a specific way is not doing you a good service here because nobody's is the same and it's going to be so highly curated to you. So I think taking that stress of making it perfect off the table is really helpful. Just, you know, the top of your dresser, a windowsill, a fireplace mantle, any little space you can just dedicate to a few things that you love, that energy that you want to embody, Um, A place where you can go and sit in front of when you are journaling is really helpful. And I would say my altar is probably the tool that I personally use the most. I'm a huge candle person, just like you. Um, I love um, cleansing bells, obviously, sound cleansing. Um, I have a big heart chakra cleansing bowl that I also really enjoy using. Sound is a big healing um, mechanism for me. I love singing bowls so much. Yeah. Um, I also love incense, all of those fun, cozy. I love feeling cozy, right? So all of those tools really, really work for me too. Um, But another one that I really love is oils. Mm -hmm. And actually before we podcast, there's one that I use on my pulse points that my friend uh, Rachel gifted me, which is called the Self Goddess Cosmic Uplift Oil. And it's MCT coconut oil, rose, frankincense, and then it has rose quartz crystals and rose petals inside. And the mantra that comes with this one is just, I am raising my vibration and uplifting my spirits. And it's very simple, but I rub it on my pulse points. I take a moment to really inhale and breathe and feel the intention. And it's, um, it's like putting on a gorgeous outfit before going outside, you know, or, or going to do something. It feels like that that last piece of dressing that I need before I go into ritual or any deep intention setting. Um, I like to kind of dress myself and kind of cleanse my own aura, so to speak, and get myself vibing on a higher level. So um, again, all these tools, we're talking notebooks, we're talking candles, all very inexpensive, easy to get things. 
Um, You should not be breaking the bank for everyday witchcraft. No, not at all. So with that said, do you have any any parting words, any last advice for our baby witch listeners, listeners who maybe are interested but don't quite identify with with a specific um, practice yet or don't feel comfortable calling themselves witches? Is there anything you just want to say to our listeners today before we give them per witch in? You know, it's interesting. I think what I could think of as a parting word, it just kind of came to me as you said, um, somebody who might not feel confident claiming a certain spiritual path or claiming the term witch even. I think that's why I love that book by um, Lisa Lister so much is that she talks about how it's manifestation where when you do something through manifestation, you, you use that phrase as if it's already been done, right? Like if, if you want to, yes. you know, if you want to have enough money to pay your rent this month, you say, I, I had the money in the bank to pay this rent and I feel fine, you know, for example. So I think, I think even though it does feel kind of weird, but if you are interested in a certain path or it feels call like it's calling to you, I do think that there is a power in claiming it for yourself. So even if you might not feel confident yet, just starting to identify with the word witch even, or, you know, I am a person on the herbalist path or, or whatever that kind of looks like for you. I think there is a power in claiming that because it it shows that you are, um, I don't know if I want to say committed, but it shows that you are working towards something. Right. And, and who, who's, who's to say when you have earned that title, right? Who there's no like guidebook out there that says you must complete these seven things before you're allowed to be a witch, or you must do X, Y, and Z before you can ever start claiming the term herbalist. Um, you know, for a lot of people, you can, you are an herbalist when you start working with herbal medicine. Sure. There's the whole, you should be, um, you, there's certifications and, and registrations and stuff like that to actually like have a business or a clinical practice or something like that. But there's a ton of family-based home herbalists that, you know, just have their own medicine cabinet at home to, to work with their family. And, and to me, that's, that's still an herbalist and, and they should have the ability to claim that title. Um, that's a personal belief, but I guess that would be my parting words is there's no rule book on, on when you're allowed to claim something spiritual or something that means something to you. And, um, I just say, go forth and and do good things. (laughs) Those would be my parting words. Yes. Well, I think that's our fruition slip. Ooh, honestly, you did did it. it. (laughs) (laughs) You yeah, you did that perfectly and eloquently, and I don't think I can add anything to make that uh, to make that stronger. So I think you know, with all of that, I would also. Um, oh, I lied. I have one more tool or resource I would like to recommend to you, and it's this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> along with so many others. So I just, yeah, I, I want to express some gratitude to our listeners. Uh, thank you for for being here. Thank you for asking these questions too and giving us an opportunity to share you know some things that have helped us when we've been feeling that same exact way because like shale said earlier too we are all we're all at the beginning of our path in some form or another um and so yeah just keeping that spirit of forever learning and and curiosity at the forefront i think will never steer you wrong
Cheers to that. Cheers. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks. If you're having a witching good time, we hope you'll help us to grow this little coven. You all know it's us against AI in this algorithm e algorithm world, so please help us out. Please like, rate, and subscribe anywhere you're listening to us. Also, we want to connect with our spooky, Marg-loving friends out there, so please like and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Links for those profiles will be in the show notes. And hey, be sure to tell us what you're drinking tonight. We love you all so much, witches. Cheers. Cheers.